What's up, everybody? My name is Will. Welcome back to Thoughts of the Count. Play my music, man. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to another episode. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about negotiating with your mind. Yeah, an interesting one. Um, aren't they all right? But <laughs> today's a good day. I'm, I'm excited today because I think this topic is... Um, is going to be relatable for a lot of people. And it's one that I actually struggle with myself for a little bit of time. And, you know, it's, it's one of those ongoing, uh, self-development things that, um, can continually get better and better. But for me, I definitely struggled with this hard, um, throughout COVID and even a little bit in school. Um, but if I can offer insight onto what I went through and some of the research that I did, uh, then I hope that you guys are able to not have to go through some of the things that I went through and can, you know, excel in your field with these tips. So uh, before we get into negotiating with yourself, I want to set a little base layer. Now, while I was doing research for this episode, uh, I stumbled upon uh, somebody talking about fear in regard to this, uh, this principle. And they talked about that fear is really the only thing that you should fear. Now, naturally, this sparked in my head the FDR quote, you have nothing to fear, but fear itself, right? That type, <laughs> right? We've all heard that one. Um, but as we do a lot on this channel, uh, I kind of try to dig past that a little bit and see if there's a deeper meaning behind these kind of corny or cliche quotes. And what I stumbled upon was an interesting way that I could turn this into podcast material. And is it's that so many people live their life in fear. They live with fear. They live against fear. They live with fear against them. They live in fear of their career path, their relationships that are they're getting into. They're scared of being vulnerable with people and telling people how they genuinely feel. They're they're scared of the future and what it holds as far as you know the economy, the state of the nation, their rights. And um, while a lot of these fears are valid, it's important to keep these fears in check in regard to your self-development and the ways that you limit yourself through these fears. Because inherently fear, biologically speaking, in the past was used as a life and death situation, decision-making apparatus, right? So of course you'd be fearful of something if you know that, you know, there's predators over there or there's predators in the darkness or that kind of thing. But in this day and age, it actually kind of works in reverse where things that are fearful, things that are risky, things that are scary can actually lend themselves to have a lot of opportunity and a lot of potential for success in that area. And if you think about this, if you live in fear and you set these limitations upon yourself, this is a limitation that's only in place because you placed it there. And trust me, in this world, you don't need any more limitations than are already present. There are plenty of barriers already out there and challenges and obstacles that you don't need to be limiting yourself in that way and providing another extra challenge for yourself. And in fact, it should be the opposite. It should be that you should be your biggest supporter. You should be your biggest believer. You should be the person who believes in you the most, right? You shouldn't need somebody else to um, validate the things that you're doing. Now, of course, a lot of times this is easier in theory than it is in practice, but it's still important to, um, but it's still important to be working towards being validated by your own efforts. And here, and here's the thing too, is I know that in a lot of ways, uh, people have heard believe in yourself from, you know, very, very young. You can do it, believe in yourself. If you set your mind to it, you can do anything, right? But I don't think enough people, because they hear it so often, 
I don't think they actually genuinely know what it means. They don't know what it means to believe in themselves. They don't know what it means to genuinely and full heartedly love yourself and believe in yourself and know you can do what you set your mind to. And I think that is actually the principle behind the looking deeper into the corny quotes is that in these corny quotes, we actually become numb to the true meaning of what that quote is supposed to mean. And because it's so cliche, because it's heard so often, it doesn't actually resonate with us the way that it should. And that's what I enjoy about this podcast is that we can look into these kind of quotes that we find and we've heard in our day-to-day life. And like, for some reason, everybody knows and everybody's heard of, and we can dig past that surface level and look into the real meanings of what that quote truly means and what it's supposed to mean and different ways to even look at it. So you've been told your whole life to, you know, believe in yourself. And then when you get upon a real challenge, a real obstacle that's difficult to get through, you find that it's really, that it poses some really strong challenges. And immediately, how quickly does that belief in yourself break? How quickly does immediately like, well, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. I feel like I should maybe just quit. Maybe I should just give up. Maybe I should just, maybe I should just try something else. And God forbid you run into repeated obstacles and repeated failures and missteps and, you know, life being life. And you start to develop a negative mindset about yourself that believing in yourself has totally crumbled away. And now it's just self-doubt and fear of failure. And to be honest, that sounds torturous. That sounds like a way worse way to live, living in fear of all the possibilities that could happen. And that's where this, this FDR quote comes in. And this is where this deeper layer comes in is it would be much better to just fear fear itself. You should be more scared of living that type of life where you're too scared to act and too scared to, you know, take control of your life and accomplish the things that you've always wanted to accomplish. That is a way worse fate than trying the thing that you're trying to do and failing and learning from it and becoming a better person afterwards and trying and trying again until you actually succeed. And then when you're actually completely successful and you've done all the things that you know you can do, looking back and being like, well, what if I gave up? What if I failed and just never try it again. That sounds like a worse fate to me. So you may be asking yourself, well, what does this have to do with negotiating with yourself? What does this have to do with negotiating with your mind? That downward spiral that I talked about is the training of that little voice, right? So in that scenario, you're training your little voice to be skeptical, to be doubtful, and to not believe in you. And that's really the person that you're trying to convince through all this is that subconscious, that inner voice. That's who you're trying to make believe in you, not necessarily saying out loud, I believe in myself, because you learn the true identity of that person when you meet challenges, because that person will be very fast. That little voice in your head will be very fast to say, you can't do it, quit, give up, get out of there. But luckily for you, the opposite is also true. You can also train that voice to be confident. You can also train that voice to know that nothing can actually stop you and that you can do whatever you set your mind to. Now, here's an unfortunate part for you, is that that voice likes comfort. That voice does not appreciate discomfort and going out of the comfort zone. And once that little voice gets continued comfort and continued laziness and procrastination and dopamine, then that little voice will continue to encourage you to live in that zone. And as we've talked about previously, no growth happens inside the comfort zone. It all happens outside of the comfort zone. But as also as many of my gym gym goers and runners know that you can actually become addicted to the pleasure of working out and, you know, running, you know, the runner's high, whatever. And that is an example of them training that little voice to 
enjoy the work and enjoy the development, enjoy the progress that they make in that hobby and in that activity. You can think about this as, you know, the like the little angel and the devil on your shoulder that you, everybody's seen in cartoons. I made sure to mark this next quote is really important. So make sure you guys are listening and make sure you guys get this because that little voice, you know, the angel or the devil on your shoulder, they can be your biggest supporter and be the cause of your success or they can be your biggest adversary and they could be the cost of your success. Does that make sense? So depending on how you train this subconscious, depending on how you train this little voice, that will determine how you genuinely feel about yourself and ultimately your destiny. And I'm kind of spitting bars this episode, aren't I? It's kind of fire. And this has even been a struggle for me, to be honest, uh, battling against this little voice in my head because, you know, there's times when I also don't feel like working. There's times when, you know, I battle procrastination, which is why I offer insight into, you know, how to overcome that. Because I've had that little voice tell me, you know what? No, I don't want to go work out today. I've had that voice tell me like, you know what? Let's just spend a little more time on Twitter or Instagram instead of doing our work or starting our work. And I've done the negotiations. I've been, I've done the, oh, I'll just spend 10 more minutes on Twitter. I'll just flick through, you know, five more TikToks and then I'll get off and then I'll start my work. And then I'll do the, well, what if the next one's a good one? What if the next one's a good one? And next thing you know, I buried an hour into TikTok or Twitter. And that continued negotiation has been the cost of how much work just in that day. But then again, over the course of a week, of a month, all that work that I could have been doing instead of scrolling through Twitter, which I'll be honest with you, I like and enjoy Twitter and I like and enjoy TikTok. But there's a handful of things. I mean, I, cu- I couldn't tell you the last five tweets that I looked at. And I definitely couldn't tell you the last five TikToks that I saw. So it really makes me wonder to myself, you know, how, how much of a waste of time really is this? How much of a uh, waste of productivity and a waste of future work? And how much am I delaying my future success by sitting on Twitter for X amount of time each day? And I think this topic is really important because I think so many people have a legitimately weak willpower and they don't even really know about it because they're so used to, you know, being controlled by their phones, being controlled by the media that they consume on a day-to-day basis, the validation they get from it. And it actually stops them from being their true potential. But this weak willpower, you know, infects other areas of your life, not just your passion. It also affects, you know, your relationships. Do you have willpower strong enough to, you know, not flirt with that girl at the bar? That kind of thing that you see so often in relationships is just the infidelity, the inability to control uh, inhibitions. But the good thing about this, as as you know, as I've said, is that this voice can be trained and it can be trained for good, but it is powerful and it is going to be uncomfortable if you're going to try to take back control of that little voice, because though this is a, you know, a mindset and mental challenge essentially, right? It can and does elicit physical responses. So one way that I've been trying to train my willpower is by doing cold showers and man, oh man, is it brutal. It sucks. You know, you're used to, I, I've been, you know, hot showering my whole life and enjoyed that very much. And now cold showering is just brutal, but it's a test of willpower. It's a test of, can I do this thing, even though I really, really don't want to. And to be honest, it's really not that bad once you get into it. It's just that initial shock. And even more importantly, that fear of that initial shock. And if you guys want to test how strong your willpower is, right? If you want to see, if you want to see this physical response in action, go ahead and try to take a cold shower. Walk up to that door, turn turn just turn it a little bit so that, so it's on, but it's cold. And then 
try to get yourself to get into that shower. It is impossible <laughs> because you know the shock is coming. You know it's going to be bad and you know it's going to be really intense all at once. But it's almost like as soon as you, you know, you know the water is cold, you see you do, you know, the little, little hand test. As soon as you go to step in, your legs will just lock in place. You're not moving. Your knees are locked up. Your, your legs are clenched and they're like, nope, no, not taking a step into that, into that cold water. And you will learn a lot about yourself and your self-control. And listen, this, this is another thing too that you can do when you walk up to that shower is listen to the little voice. Listen to all the excuses that your body will want to make because it'll say things like, nobody's going to know if you don't take a cold shower. Nobody's going to know if it's not a hot shower. Like, let's just take a hot shower and then we'll get to work. Let's just, you'll hear all the excuses in the world just like that from your mind. And it's actually pretty fascinating. But you do, you do definitely figure out where the rubber meets the road. But the main point of this, and this is the important part, is that if you can begin to train yourself to do things that you don't really want to do, if you can begin to train yourself to act on your own free will, on this willpower, and not be halted by perceived fear of pain or perceived fear of discomfort, and go head on with the things that you know you need to do to be successful, then unbelievable doors will open up for you. You'll be an incredibly efficient, productive person if you're able to just dive in when you say you need to dive in, when you do what you say you're going to do. And you're not inhibited by this little voice. You're not inhibited by the fear of whatever. And also don't feel alone in this. Don't feel alone in this in this process of you know not having strong willpower at first. I'm still working on it even. But more people are struggling with this than I think they're willing to admit. I mean, think, think back how many people already, you know, since they've been out of college have let themselves go physically, or they're not as in shape as their athlete days because they didn't continue that discipline. I mean, it's incredibly common for people to just, you know, get lazier and not maintain the, um, strength of, you know, even when they were athletes. I mean, here, I'll put a picture, I'll put a picture up over here of what I looked like when I was, uh, lifting and, you know, playing basketball at college and you guys can kind of see how I look now. And, uh, I think you'll, I think you'll see a pretty, <laughs> pretty significant difference. Um, so it's, it's, you're not alone. It's not just, I'm not pointing fingers out. I'm literally showing you <laughs> my own, my own letting up of that discipline, but don't worry, we're working back to get there. But there was less of an incentive to keep going to the gym, to keep working out because it was a, it was a hassle. I mean, people get busy, they get to work in, they get to, you know, not having the incentive of being able to go out every weekend even and impress people at the bar, whatever, whatever reason people actually work out and stay in shape for. But realistically speaking, it's not that there's not enough time in the day. It's that people are not prioritizing working out, eating healthy, that kind of thing. And that's, that's why, because it's easier to not, it's just easy. And that voice will make deals with you and negotiate. Hey, you know what? Let's just not go to go to the gym this morning. Let's just lay in bed another hour. Let's just roll back over and hit snooze. It's that much, that, that is so much easier than getting up and going to the gym. But remember that if you continue to train this, this little voice, if you continue to seek out opportunities to leave your comfort zone, then you'll be better off. If you're looking for a place to start with this kind of stuff, if you're looking for, well, I, I, how do I get out of my comfort zone? What, what direction should I go? Begin with your passions and start trying to go for the things that you want, right? And then when you meet the discomfort, which will be unmistakable, um, you will know what you need to work on. So for me, when I started to work, I figured, I figured out that, you know what? I struggle with procrastination. I struggle with getting distracted easily. 
Um, and that was the area of discomfort that I had to go out of. So my training has then been that I need to work for longer periods of time without break and try to continue to expand that amount of time to be as productive as possible. That's the, that has been my personal journey so far. Um, I've also worked on getting these episodes out faster, making sure that I'm staying consistent and even just the creation process, slimming down and, you know, trimming the fat off of the entire process. But those hurdles, those obstacles are your directions. It seems kind of counterintuitive because that's the, the fear part. That's the discomfort. And you, you would think that you wouldn't want to go directly into that, but the best way through that opposite or the best way past that obstacle is through it. It's not to go around it. It's not to avoid it. It's to go through it and overcome it. And these can be small changes, small trainings that you do uh, in the beginning and they will grow and progress as you go along. It's hard because it's not instantly gratifying, but I promise that down the line, this stuff does get easier and the leaps and bounds that you're making um, will show themselves even more down the line, five years, whatever, because say, you know, everybody's working 40 hours a week, you're working hundred hours a week, that more, that effort that you're putting in, and this is an extreme example, but that effort that you're putting in will lead to a compounding effect of the amount of work and the amount of productivity that you're able to do. Um, I hope that visual makes sense, but I expect this to be difficult. I expect there to be challenges along the way. Um, it's going to be uncomfortable, but that's where the, that's where the best growth happens. Remember that diamonds are made under heat and pressure, extreme heats and extreme pressure. And that's how diamonds are made. And I think this analogy can be applied to humans as well, where when people are put under extreme conditions, people are put under extreme discomfort. That's when they really shine and they really have to, you know, find the strength that they never had before to overcome this immense challenge. I mean, that's, that's the main storyline of like how many movies, you know, somebody digging deep and believing in themselves and, you know, overcoming that challenge. But that's a real life thing that happens. So get out there and be a diamond this week. Add some heat and pressure and make some improvements. I believe in you. And that is going to take us to the weekly takeaway. I'm excited about this weekly takeaway. This week's weekly takeaway is the concept of neuroplasticity. Now, neuroplasticity is the, um, and you can Google search this. It's that you can change the inner workings of your mind through growth and practice and reorganization. It is a rewiring of the brain of sorts, right? So even if you struggle with a lot of things, if you struggle with uh, with procrastination, if you struggle with not being a hard worker, if you struggle with you know, these mental barriers, this voice that you've trained to be negative and trained to be uh, pessimistic, do not worry because you can reorganize your brain. You can turn your life around and you can change the actual makeup of your brain in order to program it for growth, prosperity, um, productivity. And it's incredible because they tested this on like, um, at looking at like piano players and piano players, when they looked at their minds, they could see that the areas that control each hand independently had developed stronger. And, um, it's from their habits. It's from the things that they do on a day-to-day basis. So know that whatever point you're at in your life, just know that it is possible for you to improve. It's possible for you to be better. It's possible for you to change. The neural networks in your brain can change. So if you are not where you want to be in your life, just know there is hope. But that's going to do it for this episode. I thank you for tuning in all the way through. I hope you found something that you add to your life or to the life of somebody around you. Please share this episode so somebody else can see and enjoy as well. You know what we're building here.
Do you guys get that in both ears? I don't even know if that this mic works like that. Anyway, community, we're, we're making it great. <laughs> Let's get out of here. I thank you. I appreciate you. This has been Will of Thoughts That Count. I'll see you next time. <laughs>Hey, did you like that video? Well, guess what? There's another one right there. And it's just as good as this one. I promise. I put a lot of work in, put a lot of effort in. There she is. Beautiful. So give that a click and I'll see you over there. I thank you. I appreciate you. I love you.